Wow, it's good to be back. So I am officially an ER nurse now. Yes. And sometimes I get to work with my husband. And so he's at home today. One of our kids had a fever. And it seems like every weekend that we're supposed to come to church, somebody gets sick. And so we're praying through that. Um, but every other weekend I'm working in the ER, um, you know, NBD, saving lives. Not a problem. <laughs> Actually, I'm the scared one in the corner that's still learning. But, you know, I, I look good. I look the part. I've got the scrubs and the stethoscope, so I look official at least. Today I want to talk about freedom. And the theme this year is taking it back. And I believe that there's more freedom. Like we would look in this room and we'd look at the worship and we would think we're free. But in God, there's always more. We go from glory to glory to glory. There's always more. And so this morning I want to talk about freedom. And freedom isn't just an American idea. And it's not some guy painted in blue on top of a horse yelling, Freedom! You know, it's, it's God's idea. But like so many things of God's ideas, over time, through culture, through society, through the enemy of our soul, the true definition of it gets twisted and perverted just a little. So today in America, we think freedom, we think we can do what we want, when we want, where we want, and nobody can tell us what to do. But that's not God's definition of freedom. That's not his definition of freedom. His definition of freedom is when we are totally saying yes to him and immersed in him and we are flowing in everything that he has created us to be. That is true freedom. And oftentimes that looks like servanthood. See, Paul said, I choose, I am no longer a slave to sin, but now I am a slave to Jesus Christ. I am a bondservant. I am a volunteer slave to him to go and do his bidding, to do it his way, the way he wants it done, how and when and where and what he wants done. That's the true, true definition of freedom. And so today... I had this aunt, this great aunt. Her name was KK. I think I may have told this story before, but you can just act shocked and surprised and laugh at it. It was the first time. She was this single lady. She had always been single, and she was a little bit of a hoarder. You know, it's a spectrum. She didn't have just trails through her house, but every cabinet, every closet, the freezer was stuffed full with stuff. So her house for a 10-year-old was an adventure. Because you never knew. Like, this woman was a garage sailor extraordinaire. She was a shopper. She died in Walmart. Does that tell you something? She literally shopped till she dropped, people. Like, she died in the aisle of Walmart. I'm just saying. And so there would be this, she had all these closets, and she'd have a freezer full of Dairy Queen um, dilly bars and ice cream and all this kind of stuff. And so you'd go in there, and you'd start to pull something out, and inevitably, a bunch of other stuff would come tumbling out, and there would be this huge crash, and then she'd come in there, and she had this little mannerism, what are you doing? And she was a little grumpy, but, you know, we loved her. And so she developed this phrase, you got to push in while you pull out. And that's how she'd say it. She'd do that pee. She'd get that pee. you got to push in while you pull out. And so anytime she'd hear us rummaging around in one of the cabinets or the drawers or something, she would always, you'd hear her from the couch. She was in there watching 
This is back when Donahue and Sally Jesse Raphael were a thing. She thought she was like a psychologist or something. She'd be in there watching that, and she'd hear us rummaging, and she'd tell us, push in while you pull out. Well, this morning, I feel like the Lord is going to push some stuff in while he pulls some stuff out. It's sort of a, a double action kind of thing that's going on. Because I think there's some things he wants to set us free from so that he can set us free to some other things. See, sometimes you got to get a little free from some stuff so then you're truly free to walk in what he's called you to do. And so that's what we're looking at today. In Galatians 5.1, the Passion Translation, I like that. At least we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. We must firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Now, I'm not thinking that any of us that have been set free from drugs or alcohol or illicit sexual lives or whatever are slipping back into that, right? But how many of us when we get the prophetic word that you're going to overcome, that you're going to break through, that it's, that it's about to happen, that the miracle is coming, that there's something in us that goes back to, well, I haven't seen it yet. Well, what have you done for me lately? That dates me a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just sometimes in the back of our minds, running in the background, it's there when we're starting to go to sleep. These little thoughts come, and if we don't pay attention to them, we can slip back out of that place of freedom because when we are in here and we got the word that we were going to overcome, that the miracle was coming, that the healing was here, that the financial breakthrough was here, that the husband or the wife or the child was on the way, we felt it all like amen. But come Monday, Tuesday, by Wednesday, by Thursday, by Friday, we have slipped back, and we've lost just a little bit of what God has brought us into. And so we've got to firmly, I mean, I don't know his name, but the one that gave the post-it, Brendan, you're awesome, Brendan. You know, he held on to the word physically in his wallet and would pull it out. Maybe next time, bring it to me, I'll laminate it for you, Okay. <laughs> I got a laminator at home. I'll laminate it. We'll get it to where it can survive all the, the workings of a wallet. But, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, take that word, write it out, put it on a post-it, put it in your mirror, put it on your phone, get the recording, listen to it on the way to work, listen to it on the way to home, listen to it to drop the kids off at soccer or art or dancing or whatever it is that they're into. Like, get that into you and don't let it go. Firmly refuse to slip back into the bondage of our past. See, before we knew Jesus, we were slaves to our flesh. Like kids, you think of young kids. You know, they, when they're hungry, they cry. When they don't get their way, they cry. When somebody takes their toy, they cry. When they're tired, they cry. When their diaper is wet, they cry. Some of us adults, when we don't get our way, we cry. When we don't get to sing the song we want, or we don't get to preach the way we want, or when we don't get to give the word, or when we don't get 
the car that we want or the house that we want or the, the job that we want or the promotion we wanted or whatever, we cry. But Jesus says that we were once ruled by hunger and desire for attention and all that, but Jesus sets us free from all that. Yet we kind of sometimes, I'm an equal opportunity toe stepper, just so you guys know. We sometimes just see those things rebranded, relabeled, sophisticated, remarketed in the church. Now, not in this church. Not never here, but the church at large, we will say, so that we, we can all still be friends after this. But according to Galatians 5.1, we must firmly refuse. See, we can't take our ambition in the world to be seen, to prove to that teacher, that coach, that mother, that father, that brother, that sister, that whoever that told you you were never going to make it. And so now there's this, this driving ambition in you that I am going to make it. And so I'm going to work 24-7 and never see my family. And I'm going to sacrifice them because I've got to make it because I have to prove to them that I am worth something. See, Jesus sets us free. But if we're not careful, we bring that in here. And now all of a sudden we got to be here all the time, which, you know, yes, please be here all the time. But it's coming from a wrong motivation. It's coming from a motivation of I must be seen. I must prove my worth. I must earn this. I must earn God's love. I must prove that I'm worthy. When Jesus has set us free. See, we've got to let the reality of the reset, to let that permeate every part of us. And so he wants to pull some stuff out of us. While he pushes some other stuff in, it's, it's not one or the other with Jesus, it's yes and more and both, right? But while he pulls out anything that's left over, and maybe, maybe it wasn't even in us. Maybe it was in the generations before us. Maybe there was just some mindset that to be holy, you had to be poor. Or, I mean, if you were born in the 80s, Maybe there was some sort of mindset that you could name it and claim it and anything that you wanted, God was your sugar daddy, and if he didn't provide it, then you could be mad at him. You know, it's, it's kind of, there's both sides of that spectrum there. And so maybe it wasn't necessarily anything that we've agreed to, but generations before us have agreed to it. And so there's these thoughts that are in us that are so entwined into our thinking. They are so entwined like a vine wrapped around a, a tree. It's so entwined into it that you don't, it's very hard to separate. And that's when you need the word because the word says that it is a two-edged sword that can separate the soul from, from the bones. It can, it can judging rightly. But we have to be willing to let Jesus go there. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he's, he's not going to force his way into an area of our lives where we've put up a big X and said, don't go there. Now, if we, you know, he's a gentleman, but he's also a really good deal maker. <laughs> and, you know, he'll catch us in a, in a sweet way, but in one of these times of passionate worship where we just say, Yes, Jesus, you can have anything. And he's like, got it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> okay, you said it. I got it. We're going with that. Because, you know, you hear the stories of, like, people that shake forever. and They didn't want to shake. But somewhere back there, they gave Jesus permission because he's not going to do that without your permission. 
so, I mean, you know, he has his ways. He's, he's smart like that. But we've got to take notice. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to get anybody to belly button gaze and think about themselves all the time, right? I think I say this every time. Uh, maturity isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less, right? So that's true maturity. So I'm not trying to get us to, to constantly, what's wrong with me? And what do I think about me? And hey, can we have a counseling session? And I'll call it counseling, but really I'm just going to talk about me. And then I want to know what you think about what I said about me. And, and then if we get a group of us together, we'll call that group counseling. And we'll all just talk about me. Uh, no, not where I'm going. But at the same time, the Bible says that we are to tend our vineyards. We're supposed to tend it. We're supposed to keep the little foxes out of our vineyards. The little foxes will come through a grape vineyard and they'll bite off all the little flowers because they're sweet. And wherever you bite off a flower, you don't get fruit. And so we are supposed to pay attention. We can't just live life and let life hit us. Back when I was in sales many years ago, I was at a national sales meeting and, and they had this theme. They always had themes. I have nothing against a theme. I love a good theme. I do parties by themes. I do gift wrapping by themes. My whole house has a theme. Like, I love me some themes, so I'm not knocking it. But their theme that year was either you run your day or it will run you. Saying you need to be intentional about what you're going to accomplish that day and taking the steps necessary to get it done, or else you're going to get overwhelmed by everything else that's just coming in. And it's the same with our thoughts. We've got to get intentional about what we're thinking about. We've got to get intentional in agreeing with what God has said. That I can write that song that he said I could write, not, not me. Songwriters. You know, I heard Mario Murillo say that he was on a plane on the way to Nashville, and he was sitting next to this kid, and he asked him, what do you do for a living? And he said, I write worship songs for a living. 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 Just teasing. That was Mario's joke, people. But you can write the song that God tells you to write, no matter how many times things repeat in it. It's awesome. We need it. You know, you can write the book that God has said you could write. You can write the check that God has said you can write. You know, you can write the vows to the husband that he said you could write. You can write the, the baby's name on the birth certificate that he said you could have. Like, there's things when God has said that this is his goal, this is his plan, this is his destiny for us, we have to be very intentional in getting ourselves into agreement with that thing because walking in that thing is the ultimate freedom that God has for us. And so he wants to pull some stuff out of us. And at the same time, he wants to push some things in. Now, I already gave it away, but I'll say it again. We've always heard the, spirit, the, the verse, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But in the pa Passion Translation, it says, Now the Lord that I'm speaking of is the Holy Spirit. And where he is Lord, there is freedom. There is freedom. And so... We've got to make sure that he is Lord over every area of our life, which means relinquishing that authority, relinquishing that place to him, but even over the prophetic words. Because if there's any little thought, like when you get a word that you're going to get a promotion or you're going to 
God's going to call you into the nations or, or whatever it is. If there's any little thought that says, yeah, all right, not me, not now, not here. Maybe, maybe it could have been a long time ago, but now I am tired, Lord, and I am older, and these kids are run, running me ragged, and I've got work. And if there's any little, like, yeah, but type thoughts that come, those are the ones that we have to, to sort of catch and pull them down and say, if the Lord says it, that settles it. I'm done. I'm not going to argue with myself, and I'm not going to argue with whatever voice is trying to come out of here and say this, but I'm going to say the Lord is, is Lord over this, and that's when we can walk into the freedom then to actually walk that thing out. See, the Bible talks about things that are hidden in darkness being revealed. And we've always said it around here. Things in darkness have power. And I believe what the Lord is wanting to do is to shine a light into our thoughts, into our reactions, into our motives, into our attitudes, into every part. Not just like money, time, TV, not, not just not those boxes, but into the entanglements that are in us. Into those 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 tricky little areas where is this me or is this just what I've always thought and just because I've always thought it does that mean it was right because there was one time when I thought I didn't need Jesus but that was totally wrong and I totally did so I mean you know obviously I could be wrong I mean you know pull out the Dr. Phil how's that working for you but we've got to we've got to intentionally Grab hold of this freedom thing and take it back, to fit in with our theme of the year, take it back so that we can really walk into everything that God has for us because it's not just for us. See, in, let me find it here, at least three times that I found, maybe more. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, in 1 Peter 2.16, and in Galatians 5.13-14, through 14, all those scriptures talk about the freedom that we have in Christ to do anything. But all of those talk about not allowing our freedom to cover up sin, to cover up bad motives, not letting our freedom make somebody else stumble, not letting our, not, I can do all things, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. See, we can... As, as Christians and as the church at large, we tend to fall into ditches, right? Like forever everybody thought you had to be poor and then everybody was claiming a Cadillac. And, you know, it's, it's, we, we tend to fall into one ditch or the other and it's, it's not that. It's, we don't get to use our freedom. For a while, people were using their freedom in Christ to act crazy and get drunk and have illicit relationships and do silly stuff and they're like, hey, I'm free in Christ. Well, hey, guess what? That's not what that scripture means. So read the other half. You only got the first half. Go ahead and read the second half of that one there, buddy, and see how that works for you. But see, we don't, our true freedom comes in serving others. Those scriptures actually say, and to serve others, to put others first. One of them even goes on to say the golden rules, that we would love others as we love ourselves. And so there's the true freedom that God has for us comes in when we serve others with the giftings and the callings that he's called us to do. The world's waiting on it. 
The world is waiting on the book that you're supposed to write. The world is waiting on the song that you're supposed to sing. The world is waiting on the sermon you're supposed to go or you're supposed to preach. The, the, the places you're supposed to go, the nations you're supposed to reach, the generations you're supposed to reach, the children, the, the, un, the unwed mothers. There's so many giftings that God has placed on the inside of us, and the world is waiting for it. And if we're not careful, we will let time slip by us because we just didn't notice. We just got busy living life, which I totally understand. I'm working. We've got five dogs, two kids, a 13, 11-year-old. One's in soccer. The other one's in tumbling. I mean, I get, the, I get the busyness of life. Just, I mean, do you guys know that I go to Sam's twice a week? twice a week and they dread I do the curbside because if I go inside the cart is double what it should be because I just think oh we could cook this and we could do that and then I get home and I'm too tired and I don't want to cook any of it it just stays in the freezer but I get the busyness of life and so we've got to do whatever it takes get with your spouse or with your friend or with a buddy and hold each other accountable I know that's sort of old school and cliche and it could sound uncool and some people can make it into like this religious you must do kind of a thing but just because some people pervert it doesn't mean it's not a good thing to do and so get with somebody hey help me I tend to just start living life and then I let life come at me instead of me coming at life and then I'm not doing everything that God wants me to do and then I'm not walking in everything that he has for me to walk in and then before I know it I'm buried under a pile of needing help and then 10 people have to come in and do deliverance on me again again I mean there's nothing wrong with getting deliverance if you need help get help I don't I don't mean that but the point is Sometimes an ounce of obedience is worth a pound of prayer. Sometimes if we would just obey at first, we wouldn't need all the prayer and intercession later on. I mean, how many of you parents know that's true? If they would just hang up their clothes when they got home, they wouldn't have to spend three hours on Saturday hanging up all their clothes. Like an ounce of obedience. <laughs> because here's the freedom that I believe one of the ways that it can manifest what if we were so confident and so full of faith and trust in Jesus and in who he's made us to be that there would be no fear of man, of their rejection, of their mocking, of them making fun of us, of even their judgment? So, I mean, I don't think we realize how often how afraid of other people judging us we are. But what if you could walk in and to the, to the nastiest person at work that has just been at you and on you and picking on you, and you could walk in there, and their nastiest of nasty didn't face you. And you could, instead of defending and like maneuvering and trying to get out of the way, you could just love them with the love of Jesus. And everything else just wash, washed off like water off a duck's back. I mean, what if, what if we could be so free, oh, so free of the fear of rejection or, or the fear of mocking or the fear of offending somebody? Isn't that a big fear that we have nowadays? We don't want to offend anybody. Well, Jesus offended everybody wherever he went, like in the nicest way for the right reason, not for something stupid. 
I'm not trying to prove a point. He had the right motive. But what freedom would that be if you could do what God's called you to do, where he's called it to do, when he's called it to you to do it, to whom he's called you to do it? And you didn't worry about anything else because you knew without a shadow of doubt that this is God. Oh, that's the kind of freedom I'm talking about. That's the kind of freedom. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on me because everybody knows I'm awesome. Just teasing. <laughs> but I don't ever want to preach something that I don't do. And so I've started, you know, we live in Victoria. It's a much smaller town. People are a lot nicer. It's just true. It's just not in this room, but the patient population, I mean, they all say thank you, and they appreciate you, and at some other places that I worked, I was slapped, kicked, bit, I, I, you know, hmm, some things were going on, but here, I mean, like, people really do, and so I've actually, uh, because they don't seem to care, it's not a big corporate-type hospital, I actually pray with patients. I actually get to pray with them, and I mean, we're seeing some of them, we call them frequent flyers because they come in every week, same thing, every week. You know, I'm here for my Benadryl and Ativan and Finnegan. Like, let me just, you know, get on that Ativan van. We don't do that anymore. You don't get that when you come to the ER. But a lot of people, we're seeing them on the worst day of their life. They've had a car accident. They've had an unexpected heart attack. Their, their mom has had a stroke. And I mean... These people, these are, these are people whose lives were already sort of probably like how we feel about ours most of the time. Like we're already up to here with stress and things to do and things to get done and the roof needs to be replaced and the car air conditioner needs to get redone before the summer hits and the kids need to go to camp and they need new shoes. Colby's in a size 13 now, by the way, and he's almost six foot. So he's growing like an inch a month. It's, it's, it's crazy. But you know, we're already kind of up to here, and then you get hit with a car wreck, an unexpected heart attack, a stroke. Someone in your family, you get a call from the nursing home, and they fell out of bed, and now their hip is broken. I mean, you're seeing them on the worst days of their lives, and so they don't always act the nicest at the time because they're a little stressed out. But when you can walk in and de-escalate the stress, and you can release the Holy Spirit into the room, and you can grab them by the hand and say, let me pray with you. And I, mean, I haven't had anybody say no because they're desperate. They're desperate. They know they're looking at a big bill and they're looking at possibly the end of the life of, of, the life of their loved one. And so, they're, and, and so I have gotten to pray with so many people. But it's not any less scary every time I do it. Because you could get that one person that's like, no, I don't want you to pray for me. Get out of here. I'm going to talk to your supervisor. My supervisor would be fine with it, so it's fine. But, I mean, that's the freedom of Jesus. And that's the other thing. Jesus put me into this job. I don't believe there's any human that can put me out of it. And so I'm not going to be stupid, and I'm not going to try to prove a point, and it's not a notch in my Bible that I got to pray with more people. I'm doing it truly for them. Because really, it's just as easy for me to put in the IV, start the fluids, get their aspirin, do whatever they need to do, and not stop and pray and get all emotional and whatever with them. Like, really, let me just do my work. I've got four other patients i got to take care of trying to keep everybody alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, nobody go down. 
But whenever you stop and you pray with them, and it might be that you're not in that kind of a position where people are super desperate, but God will give you the keys. He will give you the entrance. He will give you the opportunity. He will open the door for you. You don't have to push it open. You don't have to kick it open. You don't have to force it open. But that's when the rubber meets the road. Do you really have this freedom? Or do we just sing about it on Sunday morning? You know, do we really have this freedom that that Jesus died for us? That we could be everything that he created us to be? Like we could write those books. We could design those websites. People still design websites or is it all apps now? Whatever it is. I mean, you know, you can get all creative and crazy in the kitchen and, and create some new cake that nobody's ever had before. Bring it to my house. We'll eat it first. <clears throat> but that's, that's where I believe God wants to, he wants to pull out anything from our past, from generations past, things that we've agreed with, things that we didn't even know we were agreeing with. They were just so in us. They've just been there for so long. They were there. He wants to pull that out so that he can push into us the confidence, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the long-suffering, the, the, the spiritual giftings that we need, the words of knowledge, the prophetic words, the, the interpretations, everything that we need to make a difference in this world. Because what it comes down to is souls. We're not just here to live out our destiny. We're here to make an impact for the kingdom. Because people are dying and going to hell, and there's a, there's a real hell, and there's a real heaven, and what they decide here is, decides where they live in eternity. We only die once. We never, ever, ever die again. So it's a very permanent decision that we make here, and many people don't even realize they're making it when they don't make it. Not making a decision isn't an option. That is making a decision. And so if we don't tell them, how will they know? And if we're too wrapped up in our stuff to be free to be able to tell them about the love of Jesus and whatever creative uh, way that Jesus gives us, then we're missing the boat. And I don't mean that like in a condemnation, you're not doing what God's telling you to do. I mean that in a, you're not living out the full destiny that God has for you kind of way. That's so fun and so exciting. And it's such a journey that you just never know what Jesus is going to do. I mean, he's, a, he's always surprising people. Look, he jumped out of a grave after three days. Nobody expected that. And he brought, like, how many? Four or five hundred other people with him? Like, they were seeing dead people all over Jerusalem. I mean, it, it was crazy. Jesus is crazy. He's crazy. And so let's purpose this week not to step back on any of the freedom that we got this morning. There were all these prophetic words about freedom and what God wants to do in our hearts and what he wants to do in our lives and what he wants to do in our situations. This week, let's not let go of one ounce of that. And better than that, let's go one step further and step into something new. Let's step out of the old, but don't just step, stop there. Step into something new. You know, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they didn't just get to step into the Red Sea. They had to step out of the Red Sea on the other side. We've got to go all the way through. So stand with me and let's pray. Let's seal this. Let's purpose in our hearts. Jesus, 
It's all about you. <laughs> it's all about you, Jesus. Help us to get over us and realize it's all about you. But like you gave to Kirk, <laughs> it's not about us, but it's not without us. And you love us and you want to, to express your full, everything you are in us. You love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to leave us there. You've got so much more for us, and we just have to say yes. So right now in your heart, if, if there was anything that came to mind when I was talking, any sort of little thought, those yeah, buts, or it, it wouldn't work for me, or that's not how our family is, or that's not how I think, I just want to encourage you to take a second to surrender that and let him be Lord there. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where he is Lord, there is freedom. And so just take a second to think, to ask the Holy Spirit, to bring to mind, Holy Spirit, is there any, anything in me, any motive, any attitude, any thought, any emotion, any reaction, any ambition, is there anything in me that's not the way you think, that you want to change, that you want to pull out. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to pull out while you push in. We give you permission this morning, Holy Spirit, to pull out while you push in. And so we praise you for the freedom that you've given us. We praise you for every prophetic word that you've spoken to us. We Praise you for every opportunity that you've given to us again and again and again and again. You never, ever, ever tire. Your mercies are always new. And so we praise you for that. And we intend this week, Lord, not to let go of one ounce of freedom that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.